Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Thank you for listening, thank you for downloading Trevor Long with Connor McNally and Harry Tucker here for the EFTM Formula 1 podcast. Thanks to KO Sports with all your live sport action. Every single bit of Formula 1 is available on KO Sports. If you haven't got KO Sports, you're mad. Imagine listening to a Formula 1 podcast and not having the number one streaming service for Formula 1 in Australia. That would just be crazy. Anyway, um, we've just watched the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku. Uh, and we'll kick it off here. And Connor, what are you thinking, mate? Full race replay or uh, KO Mini? Uh, KO Mini. Uh, there it is. Carrie? Oh, Mini for sure. Mini for sure. Just a real simple thing. Yeah. It's funny because um, I'm, I'm a Mini for sure as well. This, it's like everyone's suddenly got an, uh, an understanding of what Azerbaijan can be like without tyre failures. Do you know what I mean? Like, we'll get to it, but essentially everyone had the opportunity to put on extra tyres here, do a two-stopper, to avoid any major dramas up front, which means that we didn't get any of the excitement that Azerbaijan often offers which often is because of tyres, Connor. I feel like we've got the Azerbaijan Grand Prix that we always might have gotten. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think this has been one of the more dud Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And it, it's a shame because we, we're expecting so much hype from the event. We've expected it for the last few years, and last year was a great example of that. But it just turned into quite the fizzer and uh, i think there was quite a few people that just came away from it thinking what on earth was that about key talking points we're going to cover today are ferrari uh, we're going to talk about team orders um and off the back of that we'll talk about daniel but uh harry a, a clean start to the race um perez was told on the formation lap to get his elbows out on turn one and he damn well did harry he definitely oh, he did he was he was straight through and i think it was the first time ever. I think they said that that someone has not that has led in the first the lap. Pole, that was the pole leading. didn't yeah, lead the first the lap. There's a much better way to say that, which is why it was paying six dollars. Harry, you lucky bugger. Oh yes, I mean it made up <laughs> everything else. Freaking I noticed, Ferrari. You, I just... noticed you didn't share that one with us before the race. Oh no, I gotta you know I gotta keep some secrets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep the mystery. But that was the thing, you know. Yeah, that all the. All the odds, and it's funny you talk about stats and things, and they say you know no one, no, no pole sitters ever uh, led the first lap, but there's only been f- like five races here. It's not, it's not like there's a you know seventy year history or something like that. It's actually, and pretty much every race has had some weirdness about it. So the stats are not really worthy of of, of comparison. Sergio Perez leads into the first corner, but by the end of the fifty one laps, Max Verstappen takes the win ahead of Sergio Perez. George Russell on the podium once again, and Lewis Hamilton with a pretty respectable fourth position, fourth place for him. Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, uh, Fernando Alonso, Daniel Ricciardo, Lando Norris, and Esteban Ocon. So, actually, some really interesting um, results in there. Um, but Connor, you, you can't not at this point be very worried about the Ferrari powertrain. Um, Carlos signs out around lap ten with a hydraulic failure, which sounded quite to the ear. It sounded a lot less hydraulic and a lot more yeah, like something clunky broke. Connor. Yeah, from what I was reading on, on Twitter, Matt Koch from Speak FA was saying that it was a brake by wire failure initially. But well, that's then what it- Science said um, 
to to his team, but you listened to it and it didn't sound like that. And then they said it was hydraulic. I don't know. Just I mean, all the other engine failures with the Ferrari power. That's mm. right. So so you end up so so science uh, stopping causes a virtual safety car. Uh, then we lose Leclerc on the main straight, and by God, was I thinking, hang on a minute, main straight, uh, this could be a safety car. But as my son pointed out, he was on the kind of pit entry side of the track, so it might have ended up with a safety car with no pit uh, pit being open. Um, there was um, Joe Granu also had issues with his Ferrari powertrain, Kevin Magnussen. So you've got four Ferrari-powered cars, DNFing, uh, Harry. That's that's a drama for Mattia Bonotto. Oh, there is like there are some poor families in Marinelli right now who are probably fearing from uh, a bit of the local uh, businessmen um, getting some retribution. <laughs> you could say, <laughs> but there, pointing pointing it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that this is all happened at once is it's you know there's there's clearly a lifespan on those engines that has just all happened earlier than everyone else. Um, and, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of, was it Red Bull a couple of years ago? Yeah. Um, with the first Honda engine when they sort of were just needed to need a new engine every four races, but it it's was true, just true. Actually, so it was, it was the it, first, it was the Honda yeah. coming in. You're thinking, wow, they've really stuffed this up because I think even Valtteri's had three engines yeah. uh, already. That's about right. Yeah. That's not a good start to the year. Uh, you know, their 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 allocation of you know engine points uh, or powertrain points as they they look at them uh, and parts is pretty darn poor across the Ferrari lineup, and that means that come well any point of this year now it's a, it's a close camp championship fight. It's going to be for a long part of the year, hopefully. That's going to be really hard for Charles if he needs to take penalties along the way, and that's. Connor, I guess the big challenge for the Ferrari powertrain is you don't want the penalties because that's going to make it hard to compete. Absolutely. Not only that, there's also financial penalties because of the salary cap now that's part of the new rules. So Mm. they don't want to be spending too much on, you know, replacing those power units or even having to build new ones because those engines are just constantly failing at the moment. We thought that was going to be the problem with Red Bull since they took over the, the Honda power units as their own and they've only had two failures at the beginning of the year compared to what Ferrari have had. So yeah, it seems like Red Bull have got their act together with their engine units, but Ferrari, there's a lot of soul searching that needs to be done between now and and Montreal. Now, speaking of failures, there's another failure of note in this race and it's in the Red Bull family. And I'm I'm intrigued by it. Yuki Tsunoda's rear wing split in half. Uh, split in half. Didn't fall off, but it looked like it had fallen off, but actually it was half open, half closed. Um, you got the black and orange flag, which has come in. You've got a terribly broken car, and it was like, oh, he's going to have to retire. My son said to me, he goes, just pull a supercars and gaff it. And they did. Um, what? I mean, that was the weirdest thing ever. And, Harry, the thing is, did you notice that Max was told after that no more DRS for the rest of the race? Do you think that's a you know Red Bull family problem and concern, or was that something else for Max? I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about it like that. I mean, I don't think it would be the Red Bull family thing because mm. I I can't remember you know since we've had DRS this ever happening. 
No, so I don't think they, yeah, they, I'm sure they would not be looking at it. We've had them like locked that. open, locked shut. Um, I mean, we've had them wiggle. Yeah, and it, unless, it was, it was unless like because... the, the Red Bull team was trying TikTok, you know, jiggle, jiggle, and wiggle, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> this with the uh, practice, Max's oh. wing was flapping in the wind. It was crazy. <laughs> but I do feel like Max, Max was just being told Harry just to maybe just to be pull up, just... relax, and just yeah, not push that, so hard. Yeah, which. Which he was, you know, I think they, they were saying to him that, you know, if you stuck it, I think it was a minute 48 lap time, that that's what you should be aiming for um, to, to set the pace, but still be doing it comfortable. And he was going like minute 47, early minute 47s. And it was sort of just like, all right, just chill. Let's chill. I love the Take comment back. later in the race where he, they're like, dude, you're doing it at minute 47. He goes, I'm worried about the tires getting cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do it's think it's fascinating though. Yeah, there's a lot of mind games, and, and you know the the engineer can't be in the car and can't really know truly what what's going on. But Connor, it was a 20 second gap from first to second from Max to Sergio at the end of the race. Yeah. So you know he did have the comfort to literally pull up and and take take it a bit easy on the car. That's the benefit of that position. Absolutely. So with the DRS issue happening with Yuki, yeah, they just could afford to just back it off a little bit. I mean, 20 seconds in Formula 1, that's a massive gap. And there was no way Sergio was ever going to catch Verstappen unless something catastrophic was going to fail on Verstappen. Mm. And and in the end, yeah, it just worked out to their benefit. He just backed off without too much fanfare and basically dominated right through to the end of the race. So I think it was just playing it safe. If if it could happen to one of their cars, it could happen to any anyone else. So they just had mm. to play it safe, really. You know, shout out to uh, the time zone for the Azerbaijan oh. Grand Prix, by the way. It's 11 p.m. We're <laughs> recording the podcast. A race has been run and won. Um, people have retired and it's 11 p.m. and we're recording. I mean, that's just sensational. And it's funny because I was asked by KO earlier a couple of months ago or a month or so ago for some kind of thoughts and notes on Azerbaijan because they were like, this is an important race because it's a good time zone. I hadn't looked forward to realise 9pm is a golden time for Formula 1 in Australia because even if you're a meddling fan, you know, you're half on the edge, this is an easy, you know, flick on, fire up KO and, and watch the race, isn't it? You know, it's a great time zone. I mean, you don't even have to sacrifice MasterChef. Like, you just... You go from that into it. It's perfect. Wow. I just can't believe you said that. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking realistically, you know, for the punters out there. Are you watching MasterChef? Is that what you're trying to tell us? I've been known to turn on uh, Channel 10 wow. at 7.30 every now and then. Wow. Haven't, haven't baked anything for us. It's unbelievable, Connor. <laughs> I don't cook it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, it you don't cook it. Um, per- I'll consume it. <laughs> But that is the beautiful thing about KO, every single session, every uh, practice, every qualifying. And this was a great weekend for that because we had sessions at 9 p.m. Qualifying at midnight, which was strange given the race was at 9. Boys, I I just want to call out Alpine this weekend because, man, the speed. Now, it's weird to say the fastest car because obviously the fastest car was, you know, Charles and qualifying and Max in the race, et cetera. Or Sergio had the fastest lap, I think. But in the straight, and this is a critical point about this circuit with a you know two and a something kilometer uh, main straight. The Alpines were hard to pass because they had such such pace on the straights, Connor. Both Fernando and Esteban. Oh, they've got a good car at the moment. They may not be outright contenders at this point, but 
they've certainly got the potential for maybe even next year to there be. There was a point where Fernando was going three hundred and forty something kilometers an hour. Three forty-seven. He got, and then the next that lap he did nuts. a three forty-three. <laughs> I mean, it just proves it just proves that car does have a lot of outright pace. It it has the potential to yeah, be a straight a race winner. But do you reckon that's line. just a gear? Like, do you reckon that's a gearing and aero thing? So that, um just purely so that they can have that advantage in the race. Because if you look at it strategically, okay, let's, we've got a reasonable car. We've got a good car. Let's gear it. Let's arrow it so that we have outrageous straight line speed because it makes it much harder to pass. I mean, Lewis Hamilton was struggling to pass um, Fernando at one point. Mm. Everyone was struggling to pass Fernando at one point back there. And I think that's a really that's my number one learning. If I was to make notes as a team, you know, engineer, I'd be like, next year, consider outright pace as a strategy that, for yeah. race defense, Harry, don't you think? But he, they were severely compromised everywhere else, though. We, but in saying that, he's still, still hard to pass. But yeah. Cause not to, you know, not to skip ahead or anything, but when Daniel was stuck behind, when he first came out of the medium tires, you would watch the timesheets and Daniel would gain like a second. In you know that part, the parts of the track that were first and a bit more sector. twisty, yeah. And then as soon as it got back to the straight, Fernando would basically make all like you know all that back up again. But that's the that's the other point here, right? McLaren, the slowest car yeah, on the true. straight this weekend, right? So you've got this massive contrast between a bloke who's got the soft tire, softer tire strategy, trying to get ahead uh, on strategy. And the one car you've got to get to is actually the one with the completely alternate speed strategy. So I think if you're to look at this and go, well, hang on a minute, how do you how do you prepare for Baku? It's go for speed. Don't go for downforce. Don't go mm. for pace on the on the backside. Go for pace on the on the front straight because Daniel's if you don't think you have the if you don't think you've got the qualifying pace spot on if you're just trying to you know find your way from twelfth to seventh or something like that do you know what I mean like in terms of uh, race position I think the McLaren versus Alpine battle whether it was head to head or just on the timesheets was true proof that you that straight line speed even though the DRS here isn't that long like it's not the whole straight that it really makes a difference and I think that is what played into Fernando's hand. There's no doubt he finished seventh with a great result. And Esteban was able to bring in points as well in 10th. Um, I, I think it's a credit to Alpine for, for choosing that strategy. But at the same time, um, I'm fascinated by Mercedes, who are clearly persisting with this utterly, utterly low downforce, utterly low ride height, porpoising, bouncing off the track. And that's an interesting thing Paul DiResta was saying, Connor, you know, mm. is it the porpoising as in the car moving up and down or is what they're feeling as drivers, is it the car bouncing on the ground? That's like, that's a fascinating problem. It is a big problem for Mercedes at the moment. So much so Lewis Hamilton was struggling out on the track all night. He was having back issues because of that. He didn't think he'd make it to the end. Yeah. And he made it. But he's was saying that it is now, my bum was now cold. That's how serious the situation is at the moment. I mean, if I'm, I'm a, cold. If I'm Mercedes, as in numb, it was numb. Yeah, that's concerning, deeply concerning. Because from what I was reading on Twitter, because I turned off to do to jump on for the to get ready for the record, apparently Lewis was in pain getting out of the car, serious pain. Wow. So if if that is the case with Hamilton and and George is not suffering that, 
I reckon Mercedes need to look at maybe increasing a little bit of that right height because if they're trying to... There's a bit of talk uh, in in the commentary around the FIA making some sort of ruling around the porpoising and and whatnot, which will be fascinating. And uh, I think Paul's point, and this would be staggering, was like an active right height for all cars. But it's like, I I agree with the concept that, hang on a minute, why should every car have to give some compromise when... It's Mercedes and Ferrari that, well, Ferrari don't actually have a problem with the porpoising because they've got the speed. So why should everyone else have to give up so that Mercedes don't bounce? They, they all had the same regulations and rules to build around. And there's only, yep. you know, one and a half teams, we'll say, because it's only half from Ferrari, mm. um, that are, they're struggling with it. Like, it's not, it's not everyone else's fault that they're, you know, a face of the sport kind of thing team. Like, they, they stuffed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, Pierre Gasly with a great result in fifth, but could have been sixth because Seb, I reckon, should have had fifth. He he was trying to pass. Who was he trying to pass? Was it Ocon or uh, Gasly? I can't remember now. It was a Gasly, was it? He was trying to pass Gasly and he he went off yeah. um, and had to spin back on. Lost, you know, estimate six or seven seconds. So that's that's theoretically lost a place. But given he did that, it's six places are a remarkable finish for him. Like he actually did really well, um, Seb, for uh, for Aston Martin to finish uh, sixth, but. There's two really important things to talk about here. And the first one is Perez being told, I don't know, 12 laps in, that there should Mm -hmm. be no fighting. So Perez is leading the race after a great start. Max has, you know, clearly got some pace, but Perez is told no fighting. And so he just pulls over to the right-hand side of the road and lets Max sail through and Max sails off in the distance. Yeah, Max has pace. Yeah, Max was probably going to pass him, but... Can we not just pull over for people? And how demoralizing for Sergio, mm-hmm. Harry, because he spent the whole week on a high new contract, um, you know, basically being told or talking to the media about how there's there's no decision about the championship, it's everyone's championship, et cetera, et cetera. And then he's just told, no, no, mate, just just pull over. You know, just, you know, no fight. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, it was incredibly early in the race as well, and it was not like there was anyone, you know, people were close, but not, sort of catching up and getting fast enough that it was like a, a do or die decision in that moment. Like there could have been a couple of laps of just testing the pace between them and seeing what was going on. It just, it didn't happen. And then it was sort of like a couple of laps after that. I think Sergio went into the pits and had like a 5.7 second pit stop. So mm. yeah, I mean, he, he wouldn't it, be happy. There's no doubt Sergio, well, very happy with the second place in his position in the championship and all that stuff. But Connor, like you can't, can't tell me this stuff doesn't mentally affect you you know uh, it's not full multi 21 but jesus it's it's not a good sound to hear it I, it was fairly good 12 laps in maybe 15 yeah yeah it, it's uh rather concerning it, it would play on your mind you just think oh it's it's you know it's the it's the superiority complex that Verstappen has he's got you know right of way over everything else and that and that's rather concerning when you know you can battle to win the championship and he, he has genuine pace to be a championship contender this year. He, he's probably, this is the best he's ever been to champ, battle for a championship. And he's been stifled any you know, at every little bit of the way by his own team, a, that, a team that he's just signed a two-year extension with. It's just, yeah, mm. it would just play on your mind big time. It, it, you just think, oh, if Mark, if Mark Webber's gone through this, what have I got to deal with now? It, it, would, it would be unsettling. The, yeah. the part, of, the part of it that sort of I keep coming back to thinking about is he he signed on the ex and the expectation from 
I guess, the outside as well as what it seemed like on the inside of the team was that he was going to be the number two driver and he was going to yeah. be that supporting gunner role. And it just so happens to be that he sort of outperformed those expectations. So, you know, is it is it really that, you know, Red Bull being yeah. that awful? Because it's sort of, that is that's the deal he he was on. Oh, I, I, um, I agree with you, Harry. I think that's a really important reminder that you got to remember that they had a poor second gunner and they opted to remove that second gunner so that they had more championship points consistently scored. That's the decision they made yes. to, to sign Sergio. Non-Red Bull um, Junior, non-Red Bull stable. We need world championship points. We need the we need the constructors world championship. And look, it didn't pay off last year for the constructors world championship because I think Sergio took eighty percent of the year to get 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 comfortable. But it's going to pay off this year, likely. I mean, you look at the world championship points down. I think, and we'll get to that in a bit. But it feels like Sergio's playing his role. So I think you're right, Harry, to point that out. But I just think it's. I think we need honesty in the paddock interviews yeah. where you know mm. he, sh- he shouldn't be making out like he's in a, in a run for the championship. He should just be saying, man, I'm here to ensure that the team – they should be practicing lines. I'm here to make sure the team wins the, the Constructors' World Championship. Um, how that plays out for the Drivers' World Championship is pure luck. And I, I just – that's the line, you know, something like that. But I feel like, like they, would, they wouldn't even say it, though. That sounds bad for the sport. I know. I know. Because, yeah. you know, that yeah. – It sounds well, bad for the sport, but it looks bad for the sport when they're doing this shit on the track. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but let's it... not forget, if Verstappen fails to finish in the upcoming races and Checo fin- uh, you know, inherits a win, yeah, yeah, he yeah. could become the championship leader. So, you know, you've got to look on the other side of the spectrum. All right. Well, then let's turn the tables and let's talk about McLaren. Coming into the weekend, um, you know, Daniel is under immense pressure, probably, mm-hmm. probably rightly, um, but in some cases – it's pure headline chasing. In fact, some of the Australian reporting is honestly just outrageous these days. It's like, guys, just you're writing this purely for clicks. Let's be honest. You don't even know what you're talking about. But let's be clear. Harry, Trevor, and Connor are just three blokes who love Formula One. We don't have any contacts in the sport. We're, we're hearing the same stuff that everyone else is hearing from the paddock. But And so what we say here is purely our conjecture and our opinion. But when, you know, publications write about Daniel's position as if to say they've got some insights. I don't know. I just, unless you are on the F1 paddock and you've heard rumors, I, I, I just think it's stupid speculation. Fact is he's not performed well. Fact is he's underperforming in the championship, but this weekend I felt was an opportunity to go, right, let's just keep this thing back on track, not just blow him out of the water, but just get it back on track. The conversation in the paddock was, no, I've, I've, I've got a contract and I'll be with them next year, um, kind of putting that to bed. Then he's out on the track in on hard tyres. Lando's on mediums to start the race. Lando um, was essentially battling with Alonso. Alonso pits and Daniel's faster. Daniel is on Lando. And Daniel is then told, God, mate, listen, Lando is, is effectively overcutting Alonso, so we're going to stay in formation here and let him do that. Now, Lando pits and comes out four places behind Alonso. He was not within QE of Fernando Alonso, and yet Daniel was held up behind Lando and thus backed up into Pierre Gasly, I think it was, who then very quickly got past Daniel. And then Daniel's left at the end of the race with Lando up his clacker and Lando being a little smart ass on the radio saying, well, why aren't we get? Why are we holding 
line here. And the team's like, well, that was what we did earlier. And he's like, yeah, that was for strategy. This is for position, mate. I do you think you're fucking got in that position? Exactly. How, Mate, so frustrating if Daniel is, is continually under pressure as a result of this race because he played the game. He did what he was told this weekend and he performed well. I think, Connor, that you couldn't expect more of Daniel with that car this weekend. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, let's face it. It is the slowest car in terms of outright speed at the moment. It's basically a piece of shit. (laughs) That's been blunt about it. But Daniel was able to get the results that he needed. He needed to finish in front of Lando this weekend, first Mm. and foremost. He, He achieved that objective. And Lando was carrying on like a little sook over the radio, which is... Yeah, it's like he's now and he feels like he's entitled to have everything go his way, much like Verstappen. It doesn't always work that way. And and, uh, and I think that was a bit of a reality check for Lando this weekend to finish behind Dan because, as I said, Dan needed to finish in front of him to prove a point. But now he, Dan has to actually finish in front of him the next few races to keep proving his point that he is worthy of keeping his seat in McLaren and keeping in Formula One. That's what he needs to do. How's that going to play out in Canada, which is, you know, long straight? Is that going to be a problem again? Is this is this going to be a repeat performance next weekend? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I can't can't predict what's going to happen. I would like to think so. I would love to see Dan actually, you know, stick it up to Lando and stick it up to McLaren. But, um, yeah. What are you <laughs> thinking, knows? Harry, on, on Daniel now for 2023? Are you still... Um, of the same, do you still think he's going to struggle to hold that seat? I don't, I don't think I've ever thought he would struggle to hold his seat for, till the end of his contract. I think, you know, the fear has been that that the renewal is not going to be there, and then yeah. if there is going to be a renewal there, it's 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 going to be or sorry, a new contract there. It's going to be from a team who just wants to take advantage of his marketing. Yeah. Um. So in that sense, it's still way too early to think. Um, but, you know, it's he, he's shown that he's pretty slow to adapt and maybe it can come through, but it's been a while now. And, you know, he, he's got that bit of a, a fairy tale potential next week um, with that being where he won his first race. And maybe it's that whole redemption race thing, which he, he really mm. gets into those sort of storylines. So. Yeah, I, look, I still think that he's um, he's got a contract. He'll be driving there next yeah. year. and He's basically got 30 races to prove himself, uh, if not certainly 15 or so until early next year when McLaren might, might make another decision. And the point is, who would replace him anyway? Uh, you know, I don't believe the American concept is actually likely to prove that fruitful for them in terms of results. It might prove fruitful in terms of you know financial support or something but they're not exactly struggling financially they're great sponsors so and he's he's good for it as well like it's it's not like they're they've got a driver there who is just a blocker for sponsors either like he he's the perfect sponsor yeah Yeah, like so he's not he's not gonna go that's yeah that's my Connor. you're in the same vein yeah, I think so. I mean, Dan said to Sky last night, he is staying on till the end of 2023. He's, he's going to honour that contract. So as much as I think I he may want to go to NASCAR early. Yeah, I think the bigger issue is Zach writing yeah. a check that gets rid of him. That's really the only risk right now, yeah. um, is Zach making yeah, a call exactly of his right. own. Um, so that that's yeah, that's the only thinking. Um, so look, uh, bottom line, I, I, I think it wasn't a terrible weekend for Dan, but I think he needs a stronger performance 
that puts him ahead of Lando in a very clear sense, because I think it could be argued Lando was, was faster than him this weekend, which is in some senses true, but really it was probably the tyres that played against him because on the hards, which were clearly the better tyre this, this weekend at the race, um, he had the pace. I, I really don't doubt that in, in any way, shape or form. So fingers crossed for the next few few races. Um, Connor, driver championship standings. Um, clearly, Charles Leclerc's had a shocker. He's had a terrible race. He, look, he's had two retirements in the last three races. So it's now dropped him from championship lead to second to third. That's where he's standing at the moment. So Verstappen has cleared out to 150 points, 21 now ahead of his own teammate, Sergio Perez, on 129 points. Leclerc now 13 behind Checo on 116. George Russell, he's not that far behind. He's only 17 points behind Charles. So he's on 99 points in fourth. And basically top five finishes in every race that he has started this year. He has been outstanding. Fantastic performance. George Russell is, is proof positive that consistency pays. I mean, it's, yes. it's a phenomenal story He's... of of uh, result consistency um, that shows in the driver standings. Oh, I think it's a brilliant out- outcome. I'm so pumped for him. And, and and just put this in perspective, he's only 51 behind Max. So it, it might seem like far-fetched that he could, you know, of winning a championship this year. But, you know, if Max has catastrophic failures and George picks up the pieces and wins a race, you know, if it happens, I mean, he could be right up there if, yeah. if it goes his way. So Carlos has dropped back to fifth now. So second retirement of the year, he's on 83. Lewis is now 62, 12 ahead of Lando on 50. Valtteri Bottas on 40 points. Esteban Ocon on 31. And Pierre Gasly shares equal 10th with Fernando Alonso on 16 points. And Daniel Ricciardo currently sitting equal 12th on 15 with Kevin Magnussen. No doubt that Red Bull has a ridiculous uh, stranglehold on the Constructors' Championship then. Yeah, 80 points. That's the difference between them and Ferrari. It's and it's the first non-points finish this year for Ferrari. That's that's really hurt them big time. So you thought that Red Bull were going to struggle after not scoring any points in the opening yeah. round of Bahrain? Well, it's now the role reversal and for again, Ferrari. And so again, consistency... Ferrari versus Mercedes with Mercedes pulling up in third. Uh, yeah. you know, again, too far behind Ferrari. Yeah, it's it's very tight. So Red Bull 279, Ferrari 199, but the gap between Ferrari and Mercedes is 38 points. So 161 for Mercedes. McLaren are sitting ahead of Alpine in the battle for four, so 65 over 47. Alfa Romeo, they're only six behind on 41 for sixth place. Alfa Tari 27, Haas on 15, equal with Aston Martin and Williams on three. And again, Harry, why would you, if you're Zach Brown or Andreas Seidel, why would you be unhappy right now? McLaren is clear fourth. Yeah. Unless you thought you were going to be better than that, you're going to be third. You're clear fourth. As long as your guys keep getting results at or above Alpine, that's the result for the championship. That's your money in the bank, Harry. Don't you reckon? I think so. And you're completely right. Like this is this way of thinking, you know, in the sense of just taking a step back and thinking as someone who is running a business, because that's what they're doing. Yes. They're running a business trying to achieve the best results they can with what they've got. 
And for them, you know, that they want that stability that's coming, their, their targets are there. They're meeting their targets. They're, you know, they're doing what they want to do with their drivers. There's no point disrupting that for, you know, what's, you know, what's essentially going to be zero gain. Like yeah. there's nothing to gain. I, I mean, you often worry about saying or even writing, like so let's say I wrote an article that said, um, you know, Daniel Ricciardo will race for McLaren in 2023, right? Because in six months, if he doesn't, you look like a dick. But in the end, no one really checks stuff, you know, going backwards. You look at all the stuff that's been written yeah, exactly. the last four weeks about Daniel. Most of it's probably going to be proven to be wrong. Um, the fact is, I, I like that thinking. You just go, let's just take a step back and put myself in Andre Seidel's shoes. Yeah, it'd be great if Daniel was more competitive on a consistent basis. But you know what? The team is doing pretty bloody well. Now, uh, of their 65 points, Lando scored 50 of them. Sure, I get that. But if Daniel hadn't been scoring points, they'd be three points away from Alpine. But they're not. They're 17 points away or something like that. So... Let's just be real and go. It's not a massive problem. Like, what's what's not? There's, not, no, there's yeah. no panic button that's been pressed. Yeah, because you know why are you going to panic on that if you know you bring a new driver in and from whatever everyone reckons, what's going to be a rookie or what Pierre Gasly or you know Pierre Gasly is good, but it's still someone who again has to have an adjustment adjust. with the team. Yes. And at best, he's going to do as well as as Lando, and they're still not going to be any further ahead in the construction championships. They might have a few more points on there potentially. But not it took Sergio uh, like half a year, if not longer, exactly. to adjust to Red Bull. Um, it's t- it took Carlos a little while to, to adjust. Every it's adjustment exists without any question. Last thing, boys, Nicholas Latifi, does he see out the year, Harry? No, <laughs> I mean I hope not. Because wouldn't it be think, great to see Oscar? You reckon in that's there? Oscar? Yeah, but I, I mean it'd be. They're not looking for the cash, I guess, Dalton there, and I think they're very embarrassed, if if anything else. Um, so if, if Alpine's keen on it, I, I don't see a reason for it not to happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Alpine are the ones that, you know, could write a check. It doesn't, even though they're not looking for the cash, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have a little bit of a bonus incentive in the in the in the business. Again, put the business hat on and go, radio. What's the loss? There's no loss. We're not scoring any points with this bloke. This bloke is basically useless. We're going to get a whole bunch of attention on us. Like you think about the the Formula One television coverage in the first and second weekend of Oscar let's say Oscar's um you know racing for Williams. That's Duracell and whoever the hell else is, you know, that's a lot of coverage that their sponsors will be happy with. So Honestly, I'd be making that call sooner rather than later. I just, I mean, again, this is bias. There's no doubt in my mind of, of why I'm saying it. But, dude, you know, you got Canada, is it next week? And then next must, weekend, be, yeah. must be only two weeks uh, after that, it's Britain. I feel like Britain's the time to make a call, if not make a change. I really do. I mean, I wonder if they've got like sort of a clause there in the break um, with the sponsorship, you know, once you've done past X amount of races, that's, that's when the, the money for, yeah. for his sponsor deal is done. And then there's sort of. Which sponsor the is dodgy? linked to Latifi anyway? The, the Safina. That's yeah, well, the, the again, if they're not chasing thing. money, just rip the sticker off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a roll of the dice thing. Um, I look, I didn't didn't hate the race. Um, it was frustrating in, in many ways. And I think I was most frustrated by the, the team watery stuff going on. Yeah. Just because I just want to see people race. I just want to see some action on the track. Um, and fascinated by Ferrari's um, you know, failures and, and what that how that might play out over the little time ahead. We've got the Canadian Grand Prix next weekend. 
Um, at this point, I think I'll actually be in America, so time zones will be wonderful for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, not, not so of, much for us. We'll be up for four a.m. for the start. Sorry, boys. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> you'll be right you'll be you, right. you asshole you are an asshole <laughs> um but i will tell you what i won't have i won't have the benefits of ko sports i won't just be able to flick it up on my tablet and just watch it in fact i don't know how i'm going to watch it so um there could be some vpn action don't don't hate me ko um we'll see, we'll see what happens in fact you know what's you know, hate, you know what's really really funny i just what? looked at the f1 websites the formula one aws grand prix I'm flying to America with AWS, so uh, I'll make some calls. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, thanks, boys. Thanks to KS Sports. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm glad to be wrapping up a show before midnight. It's, uh, it's a very weird feeling, Harry, but uh, let's do it all again next week at the Canadian Grand Prix. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good if I'm awake. You sound, you sound chilled for it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll Bye. say if I'm awake. Talk to you next week. <laughs> see ya.